Hey there, Anna Guest Jelly here. Welcome to Love Curvy Yoga, the podcast where we talk about and practice all things body affirming and yoga. Now let's get into it. Welcome everybody. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to be with you. I have something to share with you today that I honestly cannot believe I haven't shared with you yet here on the podcast. I've had a few conversations about this recently and I found myself doing it again last week. And when I did, I was just like, I have to share this on the podcast like right now. So (laughs) right now has arrived and we are going to talk about it. So I don't know about you, but I feel like it takes me forever, like forever. I don't know what that was. Um, (laughs) It just came to me. It just takes me such a long time. It warrants a small song, I guess, um, to truly integrate any lessons that I learn about myself. For example, no matter how often I have heard tips from the wonderful Brene Brown about dealing with what she calls a vulnerability hangover, which is that feeling you have after you do or share something vulnerable. And oftentimes that feeling is a sort of miserable, second guessing kind of feeling. No matter how many times I have heard that feeling identified, strategies offered for it, when I'm in it, do I remember any of that? Uh, No, I do not. (laughs) I just am like in the thick of it, swimming around in the soup. I am not feeling capable of making any change because it feels so real. It doesn't feel possible that anything else could be happening. Now, the more that this has happened to me over time, I would say that I can often get there more quickly than I used to, but I'm still not just like, oh, I felt this for a second. I'm just like, oh, vulnerability hangover, what if? And then I just move on from there. Um, I still will often forget. So I realized over time that I needed notes to self, basically, to remind me of what helps me in these moments. Like, if I am able to name oh, I am having a vulnerability hangover, then I need something that says, Anna, here is what you do when you have a vulnerability hangover. So we talked in an earlier episode last season about care instructions, what they are, how you might write your own. So I'll link to that episode in the show notes. If you haven't listened to it, it would be a great one for you to kind of add on to this one. But just in a nutshell, care instructions are what generally supports you from season to season in your life. So general overview, this is what helps you feel good, you know, during the fall, the winter, etc. And your seasons might not be um, the seasons on the environment, they might be uh, school semesters or whatever is relevant for you. But these notes to self are a little bit different. They can be a portion of your care instructions, but they're probably things that come up more throughout the year, and they're more things that can throw you um, away from yourself a little bit, maybe is a good way to put it. So like I said, vulnerability, hangover, other examples for me, anxiety, catastrophizing, all of which I've also talked about on this podcast, and I'm sure we will continue to. So I realized I needed something a little bit more than the care instructions. I really needed a note from 
a past me who had been through this who could say, oh, here's what this is. Don't forget, this has this is a thing. This has happened to you before. You've lived through this before. And here's how you did it. Here are some different strategies that might be helpful or at least would be starting points for you right now. So it's like a note to your future self. Timing on writing these letters, I think, is very important. So let's just take anxiety as an example. When I am feeling anxious, I absolutely believe everything that my anxious mind is telling me, which is usually some variation of everything's about to fall apart. It just feels so true in that moment that it feels almost impossible not to believe it. So when I am able to say to myself, oh, this is anxiety, I've been here before, that is when in the past I would kind of be like, but when I was here before, what did I do? I don't know if I'm capable of doing that anymore. I don't even remember what it was. What it was it? Who could I ask? You know, on and on and on. Now, Nick and I have definitely been talking about these things more and more over the years in our relationship. So sometimes I can ask him about it and say like, hey, this is going on. And then sometimes he can remind me, oh, you know, here are the things that sometimes you find helpful. But sometimes I'm too deep in it to even ask for help. And sometimes he doesn't remember, you know, he can't know in all the same ways that I do. So I find these notes to self to be so critical and helpful. It's like I have a self-help book that um, is perfectly aligned with what I need because that's basically what it is. (laughs) It's written by me for me. So the timing of writing the letter I think has to come like right after you're kind of through whatever that particular issue is. So for me, you know, I feel anxiety in different amounts from day to day, from week to week, etc. But when I'm sort of through a particularly severe patch, that's a good time for me to write that letter, review or edit that letter, etc. And that's because I'm better able to remember how I felt before it started, what might have precipitated it, how I felt during, what I believed during, what did and didn't help, and what I'm now knowing right after. I find if I try to wait, it's a, like the details get blurry very, very quickly. So doing it pretty quickly after, I think, is the, the way to go with this. So if you're thinking about writing one yourself, as I talk more about it, you might be on the lookout for those times that it might be um, fresh for you to write one. What is amazing about these notes to self is that when I look at them in the midst of an incident, they calm me down so considerably. And it just helps me feel like, oh, right, there is something that I could be doing right in this moment. And, you know, it's not always 100% relevant to that new incident because, of course, things change. But it reminds me of some tools and it reminds me that I have tools at all um, and gives me a place to kind of get started. So let's just go over my anxiety letter. Would you like to do that? I'm just going to go through and tell you what's on there. Um, Mine, I'm calling it a letter, but mine is really a bulleted list. You could definitely write yours as more of a narrative, though. I think it's whatever is helpful for you. So mine starts off with a section called go-to plan. And what I mean by that is these are the things that I really need to like start doing immediately. <laughs> and so hopefully they're going to help make a pretty sizable shift 
in the moment. So on my go-to plan, I have feel the feeling in my body and name it. So I've already done that to some extent if I've remembered to go look at this letter, but really feeling like what is that sensation in my body like right now makes a big difference. Next, I have pay attention to patterns. So what happened? How am I feeling? Am I on my period? Yes, I said that. But every single month, though I have had this for quite some time, somehow I forget. And it's coming, and I feel like the world is ending, and I'm melancholy, and sometimes I hate life. And then I get my period, and I'm like, oh, right. (laughs) This again. So those are some important questions to ask, because sometimes we forget. Um, Move your body. So do some yoga, go for a walk, go for a swim. Those are things that I like to do. You might have other things that you like to do. Get outside. I just mentioned that a little bit with a walk, but even for me, um, going to a park or sitting on a porch or wherever, just breathing that air, um, maybe getting a little sun on my face if it's sunny, can start to make a difference to how I feel. Get off the internet. (laughs) That's a big one for me. Um, I can definitely get sucked down the internet when I'm feeling anxious. And then write it down and or tell Nick. So making it a little bit more concrete, telling somebody that you care about who you can have those kinds of conversations with, whether that's a friend, a family member, a therapist, anybody who's a support in your life. So next I have a section called questions to consider. So you probably know if you've been listening to this podcast for more than one episode that I am all about having an ongoing dialogue with our bodies and with ourselves and that provocative and thoughtful questions can be a way into this conversation. So here are some of my anxiety questions. What if I don't try to get rid of this feeling, but instead just let myself feel it? What evidence do I have for this thought that I'm having? Like I said, I usually am thinking some variation of everything is falling apart. So what evidence do I have? And I asked the question before about what if I don't try to get rid of the feeling, not because I want to keep keep feeling it, but because usually by trying to get rid of it, I'm fighting it and it may often be getting worse. And sometimes if I just like relax and say, I'm feeling anxious, I'm acknowledging it, then it gives me some power to work with it a little bit more. Related to that second question, what evidence do I have against this thought? So what evidence do I have that the world is not falling apart? Are there times when this thought hasn't been true? Do I have this kind of thought when I'm feeling less anxious? What would I tell someone else who is having this kind of thought? Is it possible I'm just having this thought out of habit? What might be an alternative explanation? What if I'm not afraid of this? Is this foreboding joy? So I talked about this also in an earlier episode. This is another Brene Brownism. Um, I feel like that should be a phrase if it's not already. Um, so foreboding joy is you are experiencing joy in your life and so you start to feel like the other shoe is going to drop and it can't possibly stay. And so you kind of start concocting these scenarios about how it's all going to fall apart. My next section is affirmations, mantras, however you want to think about that. Two of mine for anxiety, I can feel hard feelings and I am not afraid of what I feel. 
notes from past me. So these are observations that I have had about these anxious situations. One of mine is to continue cultivating more resilience for feeling. Now let me just go ahead and tell you that's the absolute last thing I want to hear in this moment. But it does remind me, right, feeling instead of repressing usually is helpful in these scenarios. And I further remind myself when I can feel it all and know that I'm still okay, that feelings come and go, I don't have to wall myself off from the world as much. Other notes for me, remember this is how you're choosing to live your life. That is a beautiful thing about you. And then don't forget the rising strong process. This whole podcast right now is basically an advertisement for Brene Brown. I'm fine with it. (laughs) Um, She has some great information about the rising strong process, which is about how you pick yourself up when you fall down, because of course we all do. And I will link to that in the show notes. They're going to be full of a lot of different resources today. (laughs) I also have a helpful reminder section. So my helpful reminder here is your brain cannot tell the difference between worrying about a bad thing happening and the bad thing actually happening. That's helpful for me to remember. No wonder it's feeling so scary. And then I have a section of resources. So I collect blog posts, podcasts, quotes, anything that helps me in those moments come back to center. So that's an overview of my anxiety letter, and if you're thinking about writing one to yourself, you might consider bringing in some of those broad categories and thinking about what they might be for you. Um, I do not feel like all of these categories are necessary. Like I said, you might not have categories at all because you might write yours more in the form of narrative. Honestly, I don't think it matters at all what the structure is. I think what matters is having a way to remind your future self of what current you has learned. And maybe yours won't take the form of a letter at all. Maybe it will be a voice note on your phone. Maybe it will be a piece of art. There's so many different ways that this can show up. So I don't only have a plan, a letter to myself on anxiety. I also have one about my creative process. Sometimes when I am working on something creative, usually that's for me writing something, you know, I can get to feeling like everything I've written and by extension myself, everything is garbage. So (laughs) when I am feeling that way, I go to this letter about my creative process that reminds me, this is how it goes. It is a process. There are a lot of ebbs and flows. This is not a sign that everything is terrible. It is a sign that you're in it. And that's not to say that everything you've written is like amazing, but that you can, you know, be with it and figure out what works as you move forward. Not too surprisingly, I also have one for when my thoughts fall down a hole about my body. So I have one about um, body image and supporting my bo- myself and my body. Um, so it includes a number of the things that I already mentioned when I went through the anxiety letter, but I thought I would just share a few other ones that are specific to my body image one. Um, In my go-to plan, I additionally have their call it out. So actually saying, oh, I am feeling bad about my body. Oh, I am having a negative body image moment makes a big difference to me because when I can say, oh, this is happening, it's really different than believing whatever that thought was before. When I have that, oh, this is happening moment, 
then I'm able to kind of get back into a different groove. Also in my go-to plan here that's a little bit different, check on the details. So what I mean by that is, am I wearing comfortable or uncomfortable clothes? That might sound like a small detail, but let me just tell you in my experience, if I'm wearing uncomfortable clothes, I'm like a minimum of 50 times more likely to get into a negative body image spiral. Because I don't feel good in my body, it's making me feel like I'm not feeling good in my skin, and then it just all gets conflated in this really messy way that does not turn out well. So if I'm wearing uncomfortable clothes, the first thing I need to do is change into comfortable clothes. Other details for me to check on, am I sick? So same thing, sometimes I'm just not well. You know, I have a cold, I have a headache, whatever. And because I'm feeling discomfort in one part of my body, sometimes that can extend into how I'm feeling about my body because that is a habit that I cultivated over like 25 years of time. (laughs) It's not too surprising that sometimes my mind just goes to body is feeling bad equals feel bad about body. So am I sick? Sometimes I can just be like, right, I have a cold. And sometimes this is how I feel when I have a cold. But that doesn't mean that it's true. It doesn't mean that I need to like go by that diet book that just popped up, you know, while I'm perusing the internet while I have a cold. Another thing is HALT. So some of you may have heard about this before. It's an acronym. Are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Also, very essential questions. If any of those things are happening for me and I would also throw thirsty in there, then I want to address those things first and see if they make a difference. Some other questions that I consider in this one, what was happening just before I started feeling this way? I can't even tell you how many times what was happening just before was something really stressful. And rather than wanting to deal with that and process it, my mind instead will just go to negative body image. Like my mind is used to that. My mind is just like, it's easy. Like that rut has been (laughs) worn very deep. And so my mind can easily just fall into that particular rut. So what was happening just before this happened? Again, have I had this thought before? Uh, Yes, I've had this thought a million times before. (laughs) And so sometimes seeing that pattern is helpful. And then the other one, what am I avoiding feeling? Um, The great meditation teacher Tara Brock has a way that she phrases this that I like. What am I unwilling to feel? Oh man, these questions really like can just get under your skin, but in a way that I think is ultimately helpful. Like what am I unwilling to feel? Usually for me, that's quite a lot of things. (laughs) So being able to kind of excavate that sometimes can bring up like, oh, I'm not willing to feel this. And that's why instead I'm feeling negative about my body. I'm kind of shifting those feelings onto my body. A mantra I add in here, I do not have to believe this thought that I'm having. Notes from past me. So one thing I love to remind myself when I'm having a negative body image moment is that most of these thoughts that I have when I'm feeling negative about my body have been on autoplay in my mind for years. So I remind myself, hey, your record got stuck for a second. It's not surprising or bad or wrong that this happened. This is something that you have built up for a long time over time. But that doesn't mean it has to stay here. You can put a new record on. A helpful reminder that I add for myself here, 
though this may feel counterintuitive, connect with my body more right now to move through this. My instinct when I'm having a negative body image moment is to disconnect from my body completely, to go right into my mind and start making plans about how I need to have a new body tomorrow. So the more I can feel what's happening, move my body to shift my energy, the better. Even though, again, that usually feels like the opposite of what I want to be doing. And then, of course, I have a whole separate list of um, resources, blog posts, podcast quotes, etc. for this one. So if you want to give this a try, write a letter or, like me, multiple letters. I'm sure I'll be adding to this. I'll have like a collection of these, <laughs> you know, over time. I already do. Um, I really encourage you to give it a try and to find what structure and what iteration of this works for you. Um, so one way to get started is just to think about a challenging thought or situation that you run into from time to time. Like, you know, this is something that comes up for you. Um, so for example, I might need to write one for being around certain members of my family. <laughs> you know, it's good to have these kinds of things. This is another example. So when you have considered a particular situation, you might like to write a letter around. Then you can start a list of what has helped you through in the past. And I know sometimes you feel like nothing has or you can't remember. Um, start just kind of jotting some things down and see if anything comes to mind. If nothing comes to mind, which is totally fine if that's true, then you might think about, well, what might help someone in this situation? Even though if I've never tried it myself or I've tried it in the past and it didn't really work, you're wanting to start to leave yourself a trail of breadcrumbs. So thinking about what might help somebody is a good place to get started. Because then when you're in it next time and you go to your letter, you'll be like, oh yeah, these things, let me try these. Or you might be like, eh, these still don't have much resonance for me, but it makes me think of something that might actually be helpful, kind of shift your mind. So just starting where you are, because like I said, I think writing these fresh after the incident is kind of that a really good timing to get some um, like really ripe material. But if you're not there right now, you could go ahead and just start something and then add to it later while you still have the you know current enthusiasm for it. Um, like I said, if you sit down and you don't come up with anything, definitely don't worry about it. I think most of us start at that place. So it's not um, a problem if you don't have the same categories that I mentioned or number of things or whatever. I think what's best is that you find what works for you and that's going to be a continuing evolution. And mine are too. So like I said, when I do come back to these letters in the future, I will often then tweak it. So I might take out something that didn't work or add something else, a new insight or a new resource, etc. And just keep these somewhere where you can find them easily. Um, I just keep a doc for these where I can just kind of update it at any time that I want to. You might keep it in a handwritten journal. Like I said, maybe it's going to be a note on your phone. Lots of different options are available. So if you start your own list of letters to self, tell me about it. I would love to hear about that. Uh, send me an email, connect on social media. It would be so interesting to see how this resonates for you. I would just be so excited to hear about it. So I hope this has been helpful, um, that you give it a whirl if it's calling you. Let's close with a breath together here. We'll inhale. 
and exhale. The light in me honors the light in you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to Love Curvy Yoga. You can find more information about this podcast and all things Curvy Yoga at curvyyoga.com. If you love the show, please share it or even review it in iTunes. Both help us get the word out that yoga is a way to come home to your body and yourself exactly as you are today. Have a great day and curve on.